The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The ruler sneered at Jesus and said, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the chosen one, the Christ of God. Even the soldiers jeered at him. As they approached to offer him wine, they called out, If you are king of the Jews, save yourselves. Above him was an inscription that read, This is king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation. And indeed, we have been justly condemned. For the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Today is the Feast of Christ the King of the Universe, and His kingship is a little bit different than what we often imagine or think about for kings, right? Um, certainly there are some things that are the same, right? He's, he's a king with uh, immense power and riches, but He's also a king of great poverty as well. We see that His most glorious throne is what we hear in the gospel today. The gospel is taking place during the crucifixion. And his most glorious throne that he has ever sat on and ever will is his cross. And it's the perfect throne for his kingdom because his kingdom is not a kingdom of oppression, but is instead a kingdom of love and sacrifice and service. And so, he himself, of course, gives that perfect example to us of what his kingdom is. Now, his kingdom, he does have authority over everything. We call this divine providence. And his divine providence, his will, is everywhere in in everything. But part of his divine providence and divine will is that he actually give us that we, our will, be free And that we have the choice to either reject him or to love him. Now, he has to, to a certain extent, give us that freedom and will. Because otherwise, we would be robots in his kingdom. And he doesn't need any more things to just serve him. But he needs, he wants people to love him, right? And that only happens in the freedom of our choice. So King God, Jesus, is king of everything. But the question is, is he king of our heart? We might say, well, yes, he is king of my heart. Well, in order to keep him there, we need to keep on reminding ourselves of who Jesus is. Now, we hear in the first reading, this kingship of King David. And Jesus is a king in the line of King David. But we learn a lot about King David and about what, you know, making the Lord priority of what, what that does. And the fact is, is that King David does an amazing job uh, of trusting the Lord and doing amazing works through, through God. 
And in fact, it's said that he's a man after God's own heart, right? And that's an unbelievable, and it's a beautiful compliment to him, right? He's a man after God's own heart. He's made God king of his heart. But yet we realize that even King David, when he does not keep God as number one, keep on reminding himself in the midst of that, he can fall into temptation and sin. And we know with the story of King David and all the good that he did, he also, towards the end of his life, got lazy. And he ended up taking Bathsheba and committing adultery with her. And then, that wasn't bad enough, he tried to kill Bathsheba, or he actually did kill Bathsheba's husband to try to get away with it. Now, right? So what do we do, right? If King David can't make it, how do we make it? Well, we make it because we have the grace of Jesus Christ, and we have the church, we have the sacraments, and we have the constant reminder of what God calls us to. Part of the obligation to come to Mass on Sunday is not so that you can be a robot and you can show up here uh, and listen to my homily. That's not the main point. I mean, there's lots of different reasons why, but one of them is because we need the constant weekly reminder that God is number one. That even though that other things try to creep in and maybe try to take this time and good things as well, that Jesus is king of your heart, right? And is number one in the midst of it all. Now for ourselves, we have other ways of doing that as well. And daily prayer is, of course, a very important aspect to that. But I think one of the most other important things and one of the greatest gifts that we as a cluster parish have is that we have an Adoration Chapel. And most of you know what the Adoration Chapel is, but we have an Adoration Chapel over here where Jesus is exposed in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And this is one of the greatest gifts that we have to our church. In fact, if our church could only do one thing out of Mass on Sunday, I would want it to have a perpetual Adoration Chapel. There's only one thing that we could do outside of it. Now, I'm not saying that that should be the only thing, but if that was the only thing, that's what I would want to do. And the same thing for your life. If there's only one thing that you could do outside of attending Mass on Sunday, I would want you to take an hour of adoration. Now, I hope that that's not the only thing that you have time for to do, but if it was, that's what I would want you to do. And why? Because we need that reminder. We need to be constantly reminded every single week in Mass. And Mass should drive us and desire to encounter the Lord more in our life and prayer, and especially in the Eucharist. And our encounter with the Eucharist should drive us to want to come to Mass and to participate in the liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the Eucharist and encounter Jesus Christ once again. It should drive us back and forth and also grow us in a greater charity and docility to the grace of the Lord. Now for myself, growing up, I didn't really know what adoration was. Uh, I probably experienced adoration at different times, but I didn't really take it in, and it wasn't really an important part that I would, I would have any real knowledge of what it was or, or why we did it. Um, when I was in college, I was attending daily Mass, and I and experienced the Eucharist, receiving the Eucharist one day, where the fulfillment, and started to seek out the Eucharist in a greater way. But I only saw, sought out the Eucharist and Jesus specifically within Mass. 
When I was a sophomore, I went on a mission trip and encountered the Lord in adoration, actually. We had, during the mission trip, we had a moment of adoration and encountered the Lord there and experienced once again the fulfillment that He can give us in the midst of prayer with His grace and felt a call to celibacy and to the priesthood in the midst of that. But I still wasn't sold on adoration. I remember going back to the Naval Academy, uh, discerning and basically deciding that I was going to go to seminary. And so I needed to out-process out of the Naval Academy in order to get into seminary. And so I kind of had a few weeks uh, and a bit of time where I was just kind of around. And one of my friends reminded me and he said, hey, you're going to be going to seminary. Like, you need to pray some more. You should go to adoration. We have adoration after breakfast and before um, our first class every day. And so you can, you can go do that. You should go do that. And I said, nah, I'm not really into that thing. You know, I'm not really into that stuff. You know, I'm, I'm good. I've got my mass. I've got an occasional rosary and I'm good. Well, I was in a rude awakening when I went to seminary a, a few weeks later and I had to wake up at 6.15 every morning or I had to wake up before 6.15 because we had adoration at 6.15 every morning uh, for an hour uh, in our seminary formation. And it was beautiful. It was so incredibly necessary for us young men to be formed in the image of Jesus Christ and to be reminded and to sit in silence with the Lord for that time. So incredibly formative. Now, when I, I got here, I tried to, um, or um, since that time, I've tried to make a holy hour every day and some days I'm successful, some days I'm not. Some days are, are more difficult than others, and sometimes I choose it and sometimes I don't. But I know that that's an important part of me being able to continue to be a priest and continue to minister in any effective way is that prayer and that encounter with the Lord. For, our, for when I got uh, here, I preached about adoration at St. Joseph the first time. And I realized that at that point I needed to take an hour of adoration. And so I asked to take the 3 a.m. holy hour. Uh, partly, I, I did that because I thought I could do it. I thought I had, I had a pretty short commute. I just had to walk across the driveway. So, you know, if other people get to drive in, especially in the winter, I can, I can just walk across the way. It's, it's not too difficult. I also wanted 3 a.m. because 3 p.m. is traditionally the hour thought when Jesus died on the cross. And so it's the hour of mercy and 3 a.m. is that hour of mercy as well. And so I wanted to be able to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet uh, for the cluster and offer uh, that up for all the parishioners. Um, but as I did it, I realized it was a lot harder than I thought. Um, I thought I'd be able to wake up, do my hour of adoration, hopefully not fall asleep, and then go back to sleep. But what I found was it was really difficult. I would wake up, do the hour and be sleeping, the, you know, falling, you know, really groggy the entire time. And then I'd get back to my room and I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. And it was just like, wait, this isn't exactly what I expected. This wasn't. And so I had to start to change my schedule a little bit more. Make sure that I went to bed earlier on Wednesday. Make sure that on Thursday, you know, maybe I, I carved out a little bit of time to take a nap or, or kind of work it out. And, and I, and it, and it sort of worked a little bit better. And I, you know, it was more of a sacrifice in that way. But then as I started to kind of uh, evaluate it, I was really a few months ago, I was thinking, why am I really doing this? Why am I taking this 3 a.m. holy hour? It's, it's kind of messing with my schedule. It's messing with, it's kind of messing up with ministry in some ways. You know, I could pray some other time. You know, is this really what's best for me? And I, 
looked, I started at that point evaluating what my days were like. What, how was it actually affecting me? You know, I saw the negative effect in some ways of just being a little bit more tired, but I started to evaluate and I started to look at my Thursdays and it was a really funny thing that on a lot of days, I, you know, it just goes from when I wake up until I fall asleep and I'm like, oh, I, I got to pray. You know, I got to find some time to pray and I, you know, it's really difficult to find an hour when I can maybe go and pray a holy hour. But on Thursdays, every single Thursday, time would open up for prayer. And there were multiple Thursdays, multiple times where I'm like, oh, I've got these couple hours free. I can, I can fit a holy hour in there. And I was like, wait, I already prayed a holy hour this morning. I mean, not that I couldn't pray again, but I, I can pray, pray some other ways. So it was really fascinating how I started to realize that as I prayed in the morning, and I thought that that took up time, I actually had more time to pray than I thought. Right? It was actually, I could see the way that in that sacrifice, I could see the negative effect, but if I evaluated it, I also looked and saw the grace that God was working in the midst of it. And I have to say that even though it's still difficult, it's still a sacrifice, and every single uh, you know, Thursday morning, I'm not exactly looking forward to waking up, I do know that it is a great gift, and it's a benefit uh, and a grace that God gives me to be able to do. Now, for ourselves, many of you, I know, have an hour of adoration. And I encourage you to evaluate and to look around that. We know the negative effect, the take of time and other things that it takes. But I ask you to evaluate and kind of see how is it actually, uh, what kind of grace is God working in the midst of it? And I encourage you, if you don't have an hour of adoration, and maybe you've considered it and you've kind of said, well, I don't have enough time for it, to say, well, actually, we've got 168 hours in the week. One hour is for Mass, so we have 167. Can we not spend one more hour with Jesus? Is he, is he king of our heart? Is he able to take that time? It does it, do you allow him to have that time? Now, one of the other things is that maybe you have a schedule of, of prayer at home. And I hope that you have a daily schedule of prayer at home. And it can sometimes be difficult to pray here because maybe you don't pray as well here. You know, it's kind of out of the normal routine or whatnot, or you don't really know what to say and to come here. But we have to say that objectively, uh, the Mass is the highest form of prayer. And adoration is second only to that. Because we come before the Lord face to face in adoration. And even though we don't always experience the greatest prayer, or a lot of times maybe we don't even know what to pray, we still come before the face of the Lord and offer our time. And one of the best prayers that we make is to say, Lord, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what I'm doing. St. Paul says, you know, the great saint says, I do not know how to pray as I ought. Right? We don't know how to pray as we ought. Nobody prays a perfect holy hour. It's all in the grace of Jesus Christ. And sometimes it can be difficult, more difficult than others. But yet we come before the Lord and make him king of our heart, king of our life, and we continue to offer that to him. Now, one of the other ways is sometimes it's a little bit hard for us to sometimes make the sacrifice ourselves, for ourselves. And so one thing I'd ask you to consider is to basically say, well, you know, um, Sorry. Um, to consider is that sometimes it's difficult to, to do it for ourselves, but we all have people in our life, family and friends, 
who no longer go to church or, or maybe are atheists, don't believe in God, I encourage you to consider taking an hour of adoration not for yourself, but maybe for that individual. Right? Maybe you pray for that individual on different, different times and, and maybe even daily. But to be able to take an hour of adoration and say, you know what, that person's not coming to Mass, but I'm going to take that time and I'm going to intercede on behalf of that person before the face of Jesus in the Eucharist. Right? I'm going to take that time and I'm going to be committed to praying and interceding on behalf of that person. Maybe you don't have enough time and maybe you don't know where that would fit. And it invites you to pray during this Mass and to be able to say, Lord, where can I make space for you? Can you help me make some space in my life? We have a, a, a beautifully set up adoration kind of sign in out of this door. It also has a sheet of all the different uh, hours that are open and often lists different hours that are open that you can take. And I encourage you, if you're interested in, in trying it and stepping out, Saturdays and Sundays are some of the hardest hours to fill because a lot of people don't want to make the commitment on a weekend because we're always you know, going different places on the weekend. I encourage you to take one of those open uh, Weeks, right? Maybe not commit every single Saturday, but when you're here on a weekend, maybe take an hour. Sign up for that. You can always call on the bottom of the bulletin. There's a, there's a hotline for an adoration chaplain. You can always call there to talk with somebody about maybe taking an hour or, or, or if they have some hours that are free, if you're not ready to commit for an hour every single week. And I encourage you to consider taking one of those hours. Jesus Christ is King of the universe. But he needs to be king of our heart as well. And I think we'll be kind of rudely awakened in some ways as I was when I got to seminary and I had to, you know, wake up and pray for that holy hour. If we don't take prayer now, we might be rudely awakened because heaven is prayer. Prayer is spending time with Jesus. Being in relationship with him. Heaven is being with Jesus. And so encourage you to prepare your heart now and always so that we might be with Jesus and his kingdom forever.